our Bibles this morning to the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter number 5. Acts chapter number 5. And we have had a wonderful journey through the book of Acts uh, this year. And I'm going to bring a message this morning from Acts chapter number 5. Actually, a passage of Scripture I've already brought a message from uh, this year. But I'm going to bring another one this morning. And then tonight, I'll probably bring another message from the book of Acts. Then, of course, Brother Cottle will be here uh, next Sunday. Uh, but we look forward to what the Lord has for us today. Acts chapter number 5. I'm going to read the first 11 verses of Acts chapter number 5. As I just mentioned, I have brought a message from uh, this passage of Scripture, but I'm going to uh, come from a different angle this morning. Uh, let's look at verse number 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? <clears throat> Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. The young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things." We find a very unique and interesting story that took place at church. Could you imagine if they'd had social media in that day? Uh, well, how, how, did, how did church go? Well, it was a little different today, uh, but a very serious, very serious uh, account in Scripture. I want to draw your attention to verse number 9. We'll look at this entire passage. But verse number 9, Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? This morning, I want to use this passage of Scripture to preach on this subject, a conspiracy against God. A conspiracy against God. Ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord. Sad. Here's this couple who conspired against God. If it happened then, certainly can happen now. Uh, this morning, I'm going to preach on that subject. Father, I pray that you'll help us this morning, that you'll guide us, uh, that you'll lead us. I pray the Holy Spirit of God uh, would work in our hearts this morning. I pray that uh, the message as it's preached, may uh, you just lead us in the direction that you want us to go. May we be willing to uh, be honest with ourselves this morning. Uh, may this be a helpful message this morning. There's one unsaved, uncertain of their eternity. But they get that settled today, for he asks these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we find that uh, in this passage of Scripture, Ananias and Sapphira, uh, you, we understand, we've read the Scripture this morning, 
that they had sold a piece of land. They had sold a possession and they brought it in. Uh, they uh, had sold it for a certain price and came in and gave uh, not that price, but a, a reduced amount to the church. Now, to understand the seriousness of this, we have to put this in context with what was going on in this period of history, what was going on with God's church. Acts chapter 2, if you think way back to Acts chapter number 2, uh, the, 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 those that have been empowered in Acts chapter number 1, those apostles, uh, those men of God. We find the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter number 2. We find what took place there at Pentecost where 3,000 were saved in one service and added to the church. Quite a move of God. Then God began to work in the lives of, of individuals and, and they were be, men were being saved at, at, a great, at, a, at a great rate and people were coming to know Christ because of that, the work of God was growing exponentially. And the people who were trusting Christ as their Savior, they were coming into the church, they were added to the church, and so there became great needs among the church people. They had to have a, a, there were places they needed to meet, there were things that needed to be done. To put this in context of our day, it would be as if we needed to build a building, or be, there needed to be a, a bus purchase so we could pick up some more people and bring them in so they can be saved. We need to give some money so some more churches could be started. This was the, the, what was taking place in that day. The heart and the spirit of the people was such that they were willing to sell everything they had for the work of God. Compare that to 10%. It's a little bit different. They were willing to sell everything. <laughs> to give everything. What does that show? That shows that there had to be a complete surrender of their heart. I'm not asking anyone this morning to sell everything ha they have and give it to God, but you ought to be willing if He instructed you to do it. I'm not asking anybody to do anything that God does not want them to do, but this morning, uh, you and I must make sure that our heart is surrendered. Uh, the evidence of this, what was taking place, is they were selling their possessions and giving it to the work of God. There had to have been a surrender of heart. There had to have been a surrender of homes. Well, we need that in our churches today. Homes to be surrendered to the will of God. Well, it is a sad testimony uh, when, when, when you have one, uh, uh, either a husband or a wife, that will not surrender their will to God. Children who will not submit under the leadership of a, of a Christian, of a godly mom and dad. There needs to be surrendered homes. May we say, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's what we do. There had to be a surrender of homes. There had to be surrendered lives. I am going to live my life for the work of God, for the cause of Christ, so that others might hear the gospel. That was the spirit. That was the life. That was what was taking place. That's real revival. That is the real work of God. When people are being saved, and after they are being saved, they come into the church and they surrender everything. They're willing to part with everything. They're willing to give everything. In the midst of all of that, you have Ananias and Sapphira. <coughs> in the middle of God's blessings, in the middle of God's work, 
God is doing a great work. You have Ananias and Sapphira conspire against God. They did not come to their conclusion separately. They see what others are doing and what, how others are, are giving everything they have. And they, whether they got caught up in the emotion or whether they uh, felt that, the, 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 I believe they felt the leading of the Holy Spirit to, to sell this possession and to give it all. And then once they, they went down that road and made that commitment and, and sold this possession and actually got the money for that possession they begin to think in their minds, it won't be that bad if we keep a little bit back. I mean, look at what everybody else is giving. We have more today as a church than we had in the past. I'll hold a little bit back. And they begin to have conversations with each other and they conspired against God. You say, Pastor, I think you're being a little harsh, I don't think so. They worked together against the move of God. They conspired a plan against what God is doing. And if I can say and be as, be as plain as I can this morning, I believe the same thing takes place today, sadly, in churches and in Christian homes. We know what the Word of God says, but a mom and dad, a husband and wife get together and say, well, we'll, we'll, we'll go part way, but we're not going to go all the way. We're not going to get completely involved in all this. Well, I, I know what this, the Bible says, but we're not going to go all. You conspire against the Word of God conspire against the work of the Holy Spirit of God. It is a dangerous, dangerous thing to go against the Word of God. And I believe we need a fear of God back in our churches today. We need a fear of God back in our homes today. We need a fear of God back in the lives of Christians today. It is a big deal to go against an almighty God. It is a big deal to work against what God is trying to do. We may, it may be flippant today, and we might, can, uh, as a group of scorners, can scoff at it today, but I promise you there is a righteous God in heaven who takes it very seriously, and if He'll allow two witnesses this morning, Ananias and Sapphira, to give testimony that God takes seriously when you conspire against Him. I want us to notice some observations from this passage of Scripture, some which will overlap what we've already said several months ago, but I believe uh, we want to have take a fresh look at it this morning. With the context of what is taking place here, in verse number 2, we see in kept back part of the price. I have that word part circled in my Bible. And I want to say number 1, we see that the sin was not in what they gave, but in what they held back. They kept back part of the price. And they brought a certain part. Ananias and Sapphira participated they gave some. They were at least a part of the program enough. They were there. They were giving, but they didn't give it all. Friend, you and I need to be reminded this morning of the danger of those words kept back part. 
God is not concerned with what so many Christians do. We come to God and say, well, I am willing to give this, or God, I did this, or God, I gave this part of my life, or I, I, I gave this offering. God is not concerned with what you and I have given. He's concerned with what you and I have held back. Every child of God should surrender their whole heart to God. As the Emmanuel Baptist Church, we put an emphasis on young people growing up in Christian homes. They get saved at a young age to give their life to God and to be willing to do whatever God wants for them to do. But you know, that's, that's good for somebody in their 30s too. That's good for somebody in their 40s. That's good for somebody in their 50s, in their 60s, in their 70s. Well, I know what's going on in the house of God. We'll do this, but we'll not give everything. God is not concerned. I've had this conversation on multiple occasions. Well, why can't God just be happy with what I'm willing to give? Friend, who are you and I to barter with God, to conspire in our own mind against the will of God, the work of God? God deserves all of us. He wants every bit of us. It's not about what you're giving. It's about what you're holding back. Can I tell you this morning, being very candid, who's in danger this morning? See, Pastor, is, is God going to strike me dead in church? Well, He could. But that's not what I'm saying. But I don't want to tempt an almighty God to make an example out of me. I believe lives are cut short. I believe blessings are withheld. I'll show in a little bit, I believe it does, uh, our families do reap the consequences. Let me tell you who's in trouble this morning. It could, be, it could be the busiest person in the Emmanuel Baptist Church. It could be somebody, it could be a Sunday school teacher. It could be somebody in the choir this morning. It could be somebody who, who's here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. It could be somebody uh, who puts a, puts a decent-sized check in the offering every week. But it's not what you are doing. It's what you're holding back that God has been asking for and asking for and asking for. And you refuse to give it to God. Maybe in a past service, whether it be a revival meeting or just a regular a routine, uh, every a service on the schedule where God spoke to your heart and asked something of you and you surrendered it to God, that part of your life to God. But yet here we sit this morning and you've held it back. You've given God other things, but you haven't given Him everything. You've given God certain areas of your life, but you haven't given Him every area of your life. After all, Pastor, I, I did give an offering. After all, I do put something in, but you know that God requires more. It's not what you're giving. It's what you're holding back. Why is it that we have to... You come to the pastor and say, Pastor, I want you to show me chapter and verse. I want you to open it and show me. If it's the Old Testament, I want you to look in the Hebrew. If it's the New Testament, I want you to show me in Greek. I want you to give me three examples that you know in your life that bear that out. Friend, you're looking at it all wrong. God wants all of us. He wants every bit of us. What is it that you're holding back? You, know, you have this conversation and sometimes... The Holy Spirit gives the pastor a little bit of insight into somebody's life. Why is it when we have that conversation, the first thing we go to is what we're giving? When we know there's something else. 
that God wants of us. There's something else that He's asked of us that we've yet to yield to Him. Mom and Dad, remember when your child was born? Remember when they were young and they were little and you dedicated that child to God? That child's older now, though. And you worry about them following the path that, you think God, that they think God has for them. And you want to try and shield them. You want to try and protect them from what could happen in their life. Friend, let me just, just, just say it like this. They could be on the other side of the world in the will of God and they're safer than be, be sitting in the room next to you out of the will of God. Many, a parent has consp- many parents have conspired together against God concerning their own children. Had the conversation. I don't want my kids. Who are you to decide? Who am I to decide what God wants with our children? Well, I, I know the emphasis that pastor's placing that, and I just don't think that's what I want for my family. Friend, you're looking at it wrong. It's not what the pastor is asking for. It is what God is requiring of each of us. It is complete 100% surrender this morning. I'm not asking you about what you are doing for God. I'm asking you about what you're not doing for God, that you know you should be doing for God, that God has asked you for. That's what he's concerned about. I'm not asking you about what you are giving him, about what you are doing. What is it that you're holding back? And I said, Sapphira gave something. They might have even given more than most of the people there. But yet God chose to make an example of them. The sin was not in what they're giving. It's what they're holding back. This morning, this ought to be a... This is an opportunity for us to take an inventory of our life. What is it the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you about right now? That you'd already promised Him. But now you're taking it back. God, I'll offer you this, but I'm not giving you this. Sin was not in what he gave, but in what he held back. We say, second of all, that not every Christian is under the right influence. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Here we see the third member of this conspiracy. Ananias and Sapphira did not conspire alone against God. Satan conspired with them against God. Peter very specifically asked, Why has Satan filled thine heart? See, anything that would get us thinking and any influence that would cause us to go against the word of God is of the devil. Any philosophy that would dictate that we we place our our families under anything under the the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God is is, is not of the Holy Spirit. You realize that, right? It it is is of of, of Satan himself. He says, why has Satan 
filled thine heart. Here's the third person of this conspiracy. It's not the Holy Spirit of God in the conversation with a husband and wife, how they're going to circumvent what they know the Scripture says. They're going to circumvent how the Holy Spirit has impressed. That's Satan himself interjecting himself in that conspiracy. Satan has been conspiring against God since the Garden of Eden. Why in the world do Christian people want to join in that conspiracy against God? Well, we're Christian people. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad that once you're saved, you're always saved? But that does not mean we cannot be influenced by the wrong philosophies, the wrong things. we got to be very, very careful. Because Peter said, why has Satan filled that heart? It's a dangerous thing when we know what the Scripture says. I ask a hypothetical question this morning. I think we'll all be able to relate with it. Have you ever had a conversation in your mind about why a verse of Scripture doesn't apply to you? Why you're the exception? Why your family is the exception? Your marriage is the exception. Your children is the exception. I know what the Bible says, but... And you can have a conversation with yourself, and it just so happens that at that moment, you begin talking, maybe it's with your spouse, or maybe, maybe you just have to voice something at work, and then they come out of the woodwork. These sympathetic scorners. Oh, and, oh, yeah, let me tell you, yep, yep, that, that, that's Old Testament, that's Old Testament, that's Old Testament, that's Old Testament. Amazingly enough, God, us as we live in this day of the church, God still preserved the Old Testament for us to have it today. I, I wonder why he did that. I, I, want, I want to have the conversation when I hear someone say, well, well, do you still think we ought to live under the Constitution? That's a fairly old document. I don't know if it applies to every situation today. I've got to be very, very careful conspiring against the Word of God. Anybody out there this morning? We find the third member of this conspiracy says he has filled. That's why you and I, we've got to be very, very careful of the influences we allow uh, to, to, to come into our home, to come into our life. That's why we have to bathe ourselves in the Word of God on a daily basis. That's why uh, Scripture says so much more. Uh, we ought to be under the preaching of the Word of God, be in the Word of God. The closer we get to Christ appearing, we've got to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God because in this day we live in with the technology and the society, we can be inundated with the philosophy of this world. And if it's not of God, it, it is of Satan himself of how we don't need the church anymore. We don't need the Word of God anymore. We don't need to give ourselves to the things of God anymore. There's another person that had a great influence, and it was Satan himself. If it was the Holy Spirit that impressed upon you to give something to God, He'll not send somebody else to tell you he's changed his mind. If the Holy Spirit of God impressed upon you in a church service one day 
for you to give in yourself and for you to make sure your family is under the leadership of the Word of God and, and we're going to have a Christ-honoring home or, or I'm going to give myself and I'm going to serve in this capacity in the church or, you know what, I know that we need to get those missionaries to the mission field and I'm going to commit to give this much to the cause of Christ and, and I know the Holy Spirit impressed upon me. He'll not send a financial planner to tell you differently. The Holy Spirit Himself is capable of leading you and guiding you. Well, I just got all emotional. That's a cop-out. It's Satan filling our heart with a spirit contrary to the Holy Spirit of God. Thirdly, I'll hasten along. I know this is torture. I want you to see in verse number 3 and verse number 4, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And to keep back part of the price of land, whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. I want you to notice the phrase in verse 3 and the phrase in verse 4. In verse 3, so Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. Verse 4, thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Let me say thoroughly this morning, grieving, ignoring, and lying to the Holy Ghost of God is a serious offense. Grieving, ignoring, and lying to the Holy Ghost of God is a serious offense. How serious, Pastor? Serious enough for God to take the life of Ananias? And take the life of Sapphira and make them an example hundreds of years later of what happens when you lie to the Holy Ghost of God. When you go against the Word. See, there's a lot of Christians lying on God. Because they're saying that God's leading them in a direction God's not leading them in. They're saying that that God is leading them to go against the Word of God. We want to use, I call it loophole theology. We search the Scripture. There's some Christians I know that are living away from God, and they search the Scriptures daily. But not to be edified to find the loophole. To try and justify what they do and how they live. It is a dangerous thing to say, Pastor, the Holy Spirit, I've prayed about it. The Holy Spirit of God has led me, and it's direct, it's contrary to what the Word of God says. You're lying on the Holy Ghost. You're lying on the Holy Ghost. It is a dangerous thing to ignore the Holy Spirit of God when we are gathered together as a church family and the Holy Spirit of God through the preaching of the Word of God that tugs on your heart and works in your heart and works in your life and leads you to make a decision and you ignore Him. It's a dangerous thing to ignore God. It's a dangerous thing to lie to the Holy Ghost of God. Well, let's just... These are man's demands. Friend, I, 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 do, I do my very best 
do my very best to stand behind this pulpit and say, Thus saith the Lord. If you've been a member here longer than a day and a half, and you've got no me at all, you know I'm very, very careful to always point to Scripture, and always point to Scripture, and always point to Scripture, and always point to Scripture. And if you're ever counseling with me, and it's my opinion, I will say, this is my opinion, and let me tell you how I got it. I based it on this principle of Scripture. Always point to the Word of God and to say that, 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 that we can ignore, to say that I don't have to do, to say that, that I can come up with a different way. It's lying on the Holy Ghost of God. I'll close and we'll get done a few minutes early this morning with the last thing I want us to see and it'll take us into the invitation this morning. We see in verse number 3 and 4 as Peter deals with Ananias in verse 5 and Ananias hearing these words fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. The young men arose and wound them up and carried them out and buried him. As you can imagine, everybody who saw that go down, heard that. There's great fear. There's one person there that didn't see that. In verse 7, it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, for so much. Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. She didn't even have a chance to respond. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. The last thing I'll say this morning to remind us of the seriousness of the Holy Spirit of God doing the work in our hearts, in our life, is this. Choices have consequences. God gives us a free will. How many of you are saved this morning? You chose to be saved. Not out of your own goodness, not of your own works, not because you decided to join the church. You chose the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did for your salvation. Contrary to what some false doctrine teaches, God does not force anybody to be saved. He does not force anybody to be lost. We choose salvation. It's an amazing thing. After we are saved, God still leaves us with a free will. You chose to get up and come to church today. And by the way, it's where you should be on Sunday morning. There wasn't some mysterious force that shook you and woke you up and dressed you and put you in the car and drug you down here and plopped you in that seat. Now, the expression some of you have had on your face the whole time I'm preaching, you would think that might have happened, that you're here against your will, but that's not what happened. You chose to be here. If you were obedient in your tithes and your offerings this morning, that was an effort, believe me. You had to make the effort to do that. It's not just going to happen. You made the effort. You chose to do that. So there are Christians this morning who are not here. They chose not to be in the house of God. 
There are Christians this morning, and whether they're here or not, God still expects them to be given to the work of God. But there are Christians probably in the building this morning who, who did not tithe, who, 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 who've chosen not to be obedient in their giving. That was a choice you made. You still have a choice. You, you can, you can, you can, you can just, just as you were in that service when the Lord spoke to your heart, and you decided as a husband and wife, our home is going to be a Christ-honoring home. You chose to make that decision. Or maybe you responded in an invitation. You said, God, I'm going to give you everything I have in my life. Or maybe you just very simply bowed your head as the Holy Spirit of God was working in your heart and working in your life. You might not have been saved very long. Or you might have been saved very long, but God had been working on you to the place where you said, okay, God, I surrender. I give you every part of me. I want to please you. I give in to you. That was a choice that you made after being impressed by the Holy Spirit of God. Maybe you were just simply reading in the Scripture. And the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within you, who also authored this book, began to talk to you. Not audibly, but as you, it seemed audibly as you were reading, you were like, oh, that's what that verse means. Or, oh, I've never heard that before. And the Holy Spirit of God began to work in your heart and it began to, the more you mused on it, the more that fire burned and you said, I've got to make a decision. And you decided to either start something or stop something because of what the Holy Spirit of God had instructed you. That was your free will. Contrary what people say about independent Baptist church, nobody put a gun to your head. And made you do any of that. Nobody twisted your arm. Changed you to a church pew. Nobody, you didn't have to turn your wallets in when you came in the door. No, none of that happened. You chose to do some things for God. It was your choice. So for a Christian to decide not to do those things that God has instructed them to do is their choice as well. You can make your own choice. We find it, it bears out in this passage of Scripture. Verse 4, While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? When you owned it before it was sold, it was yours. And after you sold it, you had the power to do with it whatever you wanted to do with it. But you chose to do differently than what you told God you were going to do. You chose. Hey, it wasn't Peter's personality that drove Ananias away from doing what God had instructed him to do. It was not uh, the pressure placed, uh, having grown up in a Christian home, that, that drove them to do what they wanted to do. They had a choice. They decided, just like Christians do today, there's a time they can go back in their mind when the Holy Spirit of God had worked in their heart, worked in their life, and they decided they're either going to start something or they're going to stop something. But something has changed along the way. God still gave them that free will, and they decide whether or not they're going to take that back. They decide whether or not they're going to fulfill that which they promised to God. You and I still have a choice. 
The gifts and callings of God are not are without repentance. In a lot of situations, God has not changed their mind, but the Christian has. You can choose. I, I make a point to, to be very careful in pastoring that way. I'm going to preach you the truth. You ask me, I'm going to tell you the truth. The choice is yours. When I speak the word of God, I have fulfilled my obligation. By standing and saying, thus saith the Lord. By being the watchman on the wall and saying, parents, you you shouldn't go down that road with your children. Or or, a young person, you need to stay away from this. Or this is what the Word of God says. Or maybe it's a message like I'm preaching this morning, which isn't your typical Sunday morning after Thanksgiving message. But I can tell you this morning, when I go home today, I, I can say to myself, I have fulfilled What God has instructed me to do, now the choice is yours. Are you going to do what you told God you would do? You can choose. But let me remind you before we close this morning, choices have consequences. And we find the consequences in the life of Ananias. Those consequences played out very, very quickly in his own life. He lost his life for the price of a possession. No matter how he justified, well, I'll take this I'll keep back this and I'll I'll do something else in the work of God. That's not the agreement he had made with God. That might have been part of the conspiracy to, to go against what he had already committed to the Lord and what the Holy Spirit had committed to him, but he lost his life in an instant. I've heard the sentiment and I don't understand it. Well, I did it and God didn't kill me. There's worse things than dying. There's worse things than God taking you out of this life into His presence. You can choose, but you don't get to choose the consequences. Can I say this morning, everything we do with what the Holy Spirit has spoken to us, there are consequences. Mom and Dad, you cannot ignore what the Scripture says when your children are are, are young. or You'll face the consequences when they're old. You cannot ignore what the Bible says about stewardship when you're in your 20s and 30s because you're worried about when you're in your 60s and your 70s because there are consequences. Because God, I don't have time this morning, but I believe God has given us promises of what He will and won't do. There are consequences in your own life. I believe there's a lot of Christians, they're paying the consequences. So, Pastor, what do I do now? Give in. See, Ananias never had another opportunity to get that right. You do. See, friend, we make excuses, and, I, and, I, and, it, and this applies to all of us, your pastor included. We, make, we can make excuses of why we don't 
obey God like we should and why we don't give God everything. But truth of the matter is, we don't need, we shouldn't need a chapter and verse. He's my creator. He created me. He owns me. He bought me with a, with a price, with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He owns me twice. I, I don't need anything other than that, the under, understanding of that, to give everything to God. I, it, but God has given me another opportunity to surrender to Him, to give Him what I already told Him He could have, or to give Him what He's already told me that I should be giving Him, uh, to obey Him in the way that I should already be obeying Him. And I has never had that opportunity. You do today. But notice another consequence. In verse number 7, we've already seen that Sapphira comes in. And she follows the leadership that she has in her life. And the same fate awaits her. When you read script stories like this in Scripture, you I don't know if you think this way, but sometimes I think of what would have happened if when Ananias walked in that day to go through with that conspiracy against God. When the Holy Spirit of God smote him, what if he had gotten right? What if he had said, no, we're not doing this? And he caught Sapphira at the door. and said, we're not doing it. Our hearts have been wrong. We've been deceived by Satan. We're giving him everything. We're getting it right. No, that's not what happened. You know it's not what happened. He went through what he had decided in his heart. And here comes his wife. She echoes what he's already said. She loses her life. She, her life is over because she followed the leadership that God had had in her life. Friend, let me help you this morning. If you take back what you promised God, somebody else is going to pay that price. Well, well, I'm doing this for the love of my children. You better, you better think of it completely differently. Because God, God is above all things. And there's a consequence that was paid. I believe there's a lot of Christians today they're dealing with consequences they would not have to deal with if they just surrendered what they already told God they'd give them. Think about that. The grace of God is so amazing that entails our salvation, but even in our Christian life. Just like this morning, this is not your typical Sunday morning Christian. Perhaps that's why our nation, our Sunday morning message, perhaps that's why our nation is the way it is, because maybe this needs to be the typical Sunday morning message until Christians get serious with God and say, okay, I, I've promised God this. I've been holding back. I'm going to give it to him. He's given me another opportunity to give him what I already told him I'd give him. Are you fully surrendered this morning? Are you fully surrendered? If you can think of something you're holding back from God, you're not. You're not. What's it going to take? What consequence 
of your conscious decision. Listen very carefully to me. What consequence of your conscious decision to hold back on God is it going to take for God to get you to give all? What's it going to take? I've got, I'm blessed with three children and a wonderful wife. That's motivation right there for me to give all. Because they're counting on me to set an example. Wait, parents, I wonder if your children would surrender their whole life to God if you would. I wonder, wife, husband, if you surrendered at all, what, how would it affect your spouse? But I can tell you right now, there are Christians that are living out the consequences. And they're, so what do they need to do? They just need to stop and say, okay, God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving it all to you. This morning, let's do business with God. Father, I...